0: Robert Smith sure grabbed a lot of headlines. Is that the norm or something new that we should be looking for moving forward? Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day from the Fundraising School and I'm joined today by my colleague Dr. Kim williams Pulfer. and Kim is a leader in the Mays Institute on Diversity and Philanthropy within the Indiana University Lilly Family School of Philanthropy, and the Mays Institute is doing pathbreaking work on calling attention to issues related to diversity, people from underrepresented communities, how we need to diversify our fundraising teams, how we need to diversify our donor bases as we move forward into the next generation of fundraising. And Kim, thanks so much for being with us. Of course, Robert Smith sure made a lot of news with that wonderful gift at Morehouse, where his gift basically Paid for all the student debt of Absolutely. that graduating class, and of course, the first thing I think of is the student who's like, "Man, I should have needed that fifth year next year. Right. Sh- that was my graduating right. year, right?" Right. Uh, but is is this is this common? Is it uncommon? What does this tell us about the bigger picture of high net worth donors and our neighbors from underrepresented communities?
1: Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for having me yeah. here today. Um, I think uh, Robert Smith's gift is a perfect example for thinking about the work that we aim to do at the Mays Family Institute on Diverse Philanthropy. Um, His gift, Um, uh, symbolizes um, ongoing activities within the African-American community of of this idea of paying it forward, Mm -hmm. um, of giving back, um, focusing on um, all of the people um, that have supported him in the past and wanting to use his gift as a way to represent his gratitude for such a gift. So I think he definitely highlights the significance of giving in the African-American community, um, and he highlights the importance of us thinking about how giving functions within underrepresented communities.
0: So in a very important way from the context of what the Mays Institute is teaching us, the Robert Smith story maybe wasn't news. It was a continuation of generations of a story. Is that correct?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And at the Mays Family Institute, we aim to focus in on those stories, um, taking a a look at the history, um, thinking a little bit about how that history of giving uh, within underrepresented communities definitely shapes the present moment in terms of how givers um, develop their traditions, how they um, think about giving based on their values, um, so pretty much I think linking past to present is a really important part of understanding uh, giving within underrepresented communities.
0: Because here in Indiana we talk so much about Madame C.J. Walker. Absolutely. Who what, just four or five decades after slavery became a millionaire? Absolutely. An African-American woman. Absolutely. You know, at the same time the suffrage movement was still happening. So Absolutely. So you put all of that into context, it makes her financial success even more remarkable. And she was a leading philanthropist. Absolutely. So when you think about that, Robert Smith is a continuation of a story.
1: That's right. He's an absolute continuation of the very same story of Madame C.J. Walker. And in in similar fashion, Bill Mays, um, who mm-hmm. the Mays Institute is, is named after, uh, uh, also exemplifies this ongoing story of... Uh, a businessman or businesswoman um, within the african-american community being very successful in business but also using that platform as a as a space to to think more about philanthropy and civic engagement within their communities
0: and one of our greatest distinctions at the fundraising school is we are evidence-based when we teach we are data-driven we work with gosh about three dozen talented researchers like dr williams polfer and i know most recently uh, as we've looked kind of every other year at high net worth donors This year we did a better job of ensuring greater diversity in the data set. What did we learn about our neighbors from underrepresented communities who are high net worth donors?
1: Absolutely, so this, The study on high net worth donors is an ongoing partnership that the School of Philanthropy has had with uh, US uh, Trust. Um, And in the last two iterations of this project, um, we have focused in on unpacking um, what's similar about giving across high net worth donors and what are some interesting nuanced differences amongst groups. And so what we did is we we broke out some of our findings based on race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, Mm -hmm. as well as gender. And just some of the, the great and amazing findings Um, that we located in this project include things like um, thinking about how African Americans focus a lot of their giving in the high net worth space on religious giving. Mm. Um, And for example, also women um, spend uh, a lot of their, uh, or focus their giving on um, health related issues. Um, We also uh, see some important things that Hispanic high net worth donors, Mm -hmm. in addition to their giving, are very invested in volunteering um, within their communities. And then, for me, one of the most interesting findings is to see across these different racial, ethnic, um, and other social identity breakout groups, um, seeing that uh, the interest in affinity-based giving, Mm -hmm. and by affinity-based giving, um, we're thinking of of people gathering together um, who have like-minded interests, um, uh, coming from particularly, probably uh, similar communities and are interested and invested in supporting those communities. And so you see the rise of giving circles, for example, amongst underrepresented communities. And you see that these giving circles are centering uh, their giving goals in and around specific uh, social issues. So 50% of African-American high net worth donors are giving um, to causes that help to support African-American communities, for example.
0: And that gives us a wonderful opportunity to celebrate a gift to the Mays Institute from the Black Philanthropy Circle at Indiana University, which is supporting your work here. So what can I do with this information as a fundraiser? Mm. You started, first of all, talking about African Americans, and uh, they often give uh, to their religious congregation. So a very simple response would be, well, I'm not a black church, so maybe I should not approach my neighbors for a gift, but that's not what we're saying.
1: Absolutely not. We're not necessarily saying those things, but I think the big takeaway from this uh, research is that we need to be mindful of, of our communities um, and be mindful of the motivations and the interests and the values that they may have. And so um, it may just be very helpful to understand that everybody is invested in giving and is excited about giving, but they may have different pathways um, and different um, uh, needs in terms of of, of their giving um, interests so it just uh, is very helpful to pay attention to this another important uh, area of focus uh, at the Mays Institute that we want to hone in on um, as a practical um, outcome for practitioners mm-hmm. um, is to think a little bit about demographic changes in this country so mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. we see women um, becoming more and more a part of the workforce and more and more a part of a philanthropy for example uh, we see this millennial generation becoming one of the most diverse generations um, right now it is helpful to think a little bit about those histories Especially those histories of philanthropy and how those histories of philanthropy can actually propel the work forward that we are aiming to do in philanthropy by becoming more inclusive, um, by taking in more insights from different groups of people, from different spaces, just to make our work richer uh, and fuller.
0: Kim, when we talk about, again, implementing this in a practical way, mm-hmm. uh, building bridges. Uh, it may be into communities that as a fundraiser or a nonprofit maybe I have not approached before. I know some of the work of the Mays Institute has focused on the board of directors. And the Absolutely. founder of the fundraising school, Dr. Henry Rosso, said very clearly, fundraising starts with the board. Every board member should be a donor. Every board member should be providing prospect lists and also you know, helping opening doors to, to other gifts. What role does diversity on the board play in helping us reach out to donor groups from underrepresented (coughs) communities?
1: Absolutely, and I I think um, you you say it correctly that the board is is integral to the the overall health of a nonprofit, and it is in, integral to fundraising. And so, having a diverse board that represents and reflects the communities in which that nonprofit is operating is is a surefire way, I believe, um, and I think the research bears this out, um, to make sure that uh, activities um, outcomes are really focused on what a community actually needs. And so, taking the lead uh, with with board in terms of diversity is, is, not, is, is not only about making sure that you are fundraising for the right purposes, but that you are specifically making sure that you are um, supporting all communities and supporting them in ways that they actually need it.
0: You know, the best way to make a well-informed decision is to be well-informed. Absolutely. And you're going to be better informed when you have a diversity of viewpoints on your board, which mm-hmm. includes having a diversity of demographics on your board. Mm-hmm. So it's the morally right thing to do. It's a very practical thing to do. And this helps us with fundraising. Absolutely. And Kim is a remarkable speaker. She's spoken for us several times at the fundraising school. And, and as we conclude here, I'm kind of curious, uh, and as our fundraising audience tunes into this podcast, are there some common questions? You know, yeah. Every time you speak, these are the questions Absolutely. you get from well-intended yeah. fundraisers as you're you know, kind of exposing them to this new information or kind of common concerns. What are some of the things you hear often <coughs> from fundraisers as you present?
1: Um, I Typically, um, audiences are excited to get this mm-hmm. information and learn more about this data, but the big question is always about this practical Um, piece. How do we make sure that we are implementing um, all of this amazing data that we are getting? Um, And I think what I love the most about working with fundraisers is that fundraisers are, are people, people. They love yeah. people and they enjoy building relationships and they enjoy connecting with others. Um, and so my my biggest answer to all of that is that all of this is happening within relationships. And so as long as we are armed with the data and we are aware that we need to be uh, more mindful about these issues of inclusivity and these issues of diversity, we need to be mindful when we take a look at our boards and say are we really reflecting uh, our communities in terms of, of who is on our board? Are we we really um, impacting our communities for all people. I think that's the first place to begin, and then the second place to begin is to begin to have those conversations, which sometimes are not always easy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they are challenging. Sometimes they are just awkward. Um, but I think uh, having this mindfulness that uh, diversity is really important. Um, it is becoming more and more of a pressing issue within the work that we do and in the way that we function within our communities. And so it's it's. It, you know my big takeaway there is to be armed with the data but also be prepared to uh, develop some relationships with folks that can help support what it is that you want to do in terms of diversity.
0: And the end result is so worth the journey to get there. Absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. Dr. Kim williams Pulfer is available to come speak to your nonprofit, your association. Would highly recommend that you do that. She does a wonderful job presenting this information in ways that can be translated to our practice as fundraisers. You can also learn more about the Mays Institute on Diverse Philanthropy on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu. Now, if you have a Forward slash the fundraising school, you learn about the fundraising school. We have 20 courses now in 18 U.S. cities in the continental United States. Our custom training travels all over the world and can be tailored to your specific needs. We also have quarterly webinars that Kim has hosted in the past, and we also have these free podcasts that come out every Monday. Again, philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash. The fundraising School. With Dr. Kim williams Pulfer, I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and now you are now more up-to-date on this first day from the Fundraising School.